Uh, you're totally T-Swift. Okay, well... <laughs> and I'm totally Kanye. In that, like, you were trying to get back at me for something that I wasn't complete. I don't know what that thing is, but you yeah. were trying to get back at me for it. But I know what you're up to, Daniel. You saying I'm T-Swift and you're Kanye might mean the breakup of this podcast. <laughs> hey, gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, I mean, we're just gonna rack up on I think that. you're just a gold digger. We're so just gonna <laughs> rack up on the ticket sales of the reunion tour sale. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, look out for the reunion podcast. There'll be a there'll be a wrestling match. You won't be able to see it because there'll be a podcast for him. But there's just going to be a lot of grunts. Ugh. 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 <laughs> I poop when I wrestle. Okay. And we're back. Daniel, how are you? I'm okay. You just okay? <laughs> Hanging in there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is the third time we've tried to start this episode of the podcast. Daniel, don't let people behind the curtain, man. I know you wanted to hide it, but I really wanted people to know that we like messed up three times on how to say hello. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're socially awkward, okay? Gosh. I have a disease. <laughs> yeah. You okay. can't judge me. <laughs> Whatever. Uh how are you? I'm I'm okay. <laughs> Hanging in there. Yeah. Uh, the first one, he was good. Yeah. Like, really excited. The I second was... one, just, oh, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. And then he's like, meh. In, in the span of three takes, AJ has killed my inner child. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that I used deep. to be innocent and naive. And... <laughs> podcasting. And now, and, now, and now I know the dark ways. <laughs> now I know the darkness of podcasting. Yeah. So now I veer out of the gospel music section in FYE. So... I'm secular now. Oh, wow. Yeah. FYE. Wow. Yeah. It took me a minute to go with you there. Uh, yes, not only... That's a deep dive. Not only have I lost my innocence, it's also 2010 now. Yeah. <laughs> I go to the only remaining record store in existence, and then I go away from the gospel section into grunge. Yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah we're back and speaking of grunge you know what's not grunge at all what that opening song (laughs) uh but we do need to analyze that so we don't get copyright infringement i guess now so here's what i want to ask you yeah because that's that's a song by king charles actually a really great artist if you guys are looking for some new music out there that you may not have heard um but he's british and so i wonder if mississippi isabel Mm. is um actually a song about the queen wow like he took her out for one lunch one time but then she never kissed him again like there was this yeah. they had a fling oh man but it's like he's talking about mississippi so that way they won't ever like guess you know what i feel like this just turned into i feel like this is one of those history channel documentaries on like secret yeah. hidden ma- meanings of things yeah and we have the same amount of credentials as the people on those shows yeah <laughs> um you know i think I kind of got that that sort of subtext. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm inclined to agree with you. Took her out for a nice tea and crumpets. Yeah, and little fish and chips, little <laughs> little barley flakes on the old skinny. A chef, maybe a shepherd's pie, perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> little chef boy RD. 
<laughs> what? I don't know. That's what I thought you were going to say when you said shepherd. And what's more British than Chef Boyardee? <laughs> <laughs> I can think of many things that are more British than Chef Boyardee. What? But, but anyway, I just want to know, do you, you know, so like, is it treason to don't go on a date with the queen? I think it almost makes you more British, honestly. Does it make you more British? Yeah. In that case, though, Your Majesty, I'm available. <laughs> I think the only the only way you can be even more British after having gone out on a date with the uh, with the Queen is just you have to be Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, that's yeah. the only thing you can do. I mean, the Queen basically is the most British person ever. So yeah, hanging out with her automatically makes you more British. If Benedict, do you think if Benedict Cumberbatch and like the Queen were in the same place at the same time, like? There might, I think a black hole might just open up. Yeah. And like, be over. I could see that. Things or... would just be, it would just be over. Mm. That's true. Like the world, that's how, that's, that's what the book of Revelation is really talking about. It's about Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch and the Queen. I mean, he did play a dragon in that movie. Oh my God. The Hobbit. He was Smaug. And there's a dragon The Illuminati exists, Daniel. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> so that's what that song is about. Did you know J.R.R. Tolkien was in the Illuminati? Um... Did you, did you, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, we actually didn't uh, have this podcast to talk about the Illuminati. Unfortunately, that's a different podcast. I'm trying to not die, so yeah. That's Illuminati Weekly. Um, that's our <laughs> other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, but we are back. Uh, just thought we'd drop another pod here in our new podcastle. Yeah. Um, Daniel, how are you liking the new space? Second podcast in, are you starting to kind of get your, get your bearings? I know before we were, I think we were facing like north and south. Yeah. And now we're facing like east and west. So how's that, how's that going for you? Um, I, you know, cardinal directions are something that I know what they are. So. <laughs> so, Daniel, are you telling me you know the difference between north, south, east, and west? I'm going to, I'm telling you I'm implying that. Just, I don't want to perjure myself. Okay. So I don't. I know I'm I not under no oath right now. <laughs> I have no recollection of that, Senator. Yeah, but, yeah, so I'm not going to make a definitive claim about anything, really. Well, that's good. It's a good, it's a good way to have a podcast, is really not making claims. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to talk, we're just not going to sit here and make... <laughs> we just imply things and talk yeah. in generalities. <laughs> yeah. <It's> a... <laughs> Welcome to Postmodern Podcast Weekly. Uh, no. I love it. Before we get started, though, with our Postmodern Podcast, yeah. uh, if you don't mind... Danny, do you know what I'm drinking this week? Um, I don't know. What What are you drinking? It's a Duff. What? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you can hear the... The gulping sound, so you know I'm actually drinking it. Hear the microbes. Yeah. Do you know what Duff is famous for? Um, what's Duff famous for? Being the only beer made in Mongolia. What? What? Yeah. Really? It's not The Simpsons. That's what it's really famous for. Hey, I just want to say that was a real reaction. That was me not knowing how to follow that up. <laughs> it's good because I just made it up. Facts. That's what we're all about here. I'm not yeah. saying they're not made in Mongolia. Okay. I'm not saying they are either. Yeah, in keeping with the postmodern deconstructionist. Yeah. I'm saying they could possibly podcast. be made in Mongolia. But really, couldn't we possibly all have been made in Mongolia? I'm an American, sir. And I don't like the... I don't like the implication that I'm not. All right. I'm just saying. <laughs> How dare you? 
I'm just saying there's a fact out there. There's some statistic out there that says that 89% of Americans are Mongolian. Are you talking about, like, people being related to, like... No, I'm Genghis talking Khan? about a statistic I just made up. Oh, okay. Clearly not true. 70% of the time, <laughs> my statistics are correct 100% of the time. <laughs> oh, man. So far, so good on this episode. Yeah. You know? Lucky number 11. Yeah. We're doing big things. Is that where we're at? Are we at 11? We're at 11, Are yeah. we officially, like, into double digits now? We've broken through the double digit glass ceiling. Uh... <laughs> And we are... It wasn't as hard as I thought I'd be, it'd be to break through that glass ceiling. No, it was very easy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so now we, uh, we are among the ranks of podcasts that are now in the double digits. Yeah, I mean, we're right up there with the Bill Simmons podcast. Yeah, right Serial. Up Uncomfortably Serial. We're like basically on par with This American Life. Yeah. Oh. In as far as being co- podcasts that have done double digit podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> we're neck and neck. <laughs> <laughs> oh man we're doing and as far as production quality big things and storytelling big things dude we're a strong second baby steps to them out baby of two. steps yeah, yeah baby steps yeah we gotta get past 10 let's just say the things. only way this podcast is ever going to win an award is if we give it to ourselves i'm happy that you mentioned that no I'm just uh, <laughs> welcome to the awards ceremony yeah, we'll, we'll, we should do an award special i think that's something to look forward to we should, like, we'll superlatives. Have, like, we'll do best best podcast best <laughs> podcaster <laughs> so it'll have to be between we'll have to you can't vote for yourself and then okay. we'll vote for <laughs> i advocate for a best podcast editor okay we'll yeah. do that we'll do best potty like yeah. best best friend of the pod yeah um, yeah, it's good stuff, dude. Yeah. Best, best recurring character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll do all those. Look forward to that in the future. Yeah. I um, like it. but this podcast is actually not that. Oh, that's, it's kind of a bummer. We built it up so that's hard. That's disappointing. But, uh, no, this we podcast... took like 30 minutes to get to the real subject. Hey, whatever. <laughs> uh, it's the Uncomfortably Christian podcast. People are willing to wait. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing more like Christian great, than waiting. It's like a great restaurant. You don't mind if you got to take a buzzer and, and wait. <laughs> That's true. Listen to the mariachi band in the background. Yeah, it's definitely how I feel about Chili's. <laughs> uh, I said great restaurant. You said Chili's. <laughs> uh, no, this podcast is actually about the Bible. Oh, Shocking. Wow. Um, but yeah, I want to talk about the Bible. More specifically, like, you know, I think every Christian group, every Christian denomination thinks the Bible's important. Sure. Everybody agrees the Bible's, like, really important, and it it guides us in some way, mm-hmm. some variation of that. But, like, when you start drilling down on, like, what is it, and what does it do, and what's the function of the Scriptures, and how does it work in our lives, mm-hmm. That's that actually gets a very different question that's very nuanced. Yeah. And so, you know, there's people all the way from inerrancy, where it's, you know, absolute historical truth, absolute historical fact, um, you know, all of that. Yeah. And then there are people who kind of go with a postmodernist approach to it where um, the scripture in and of itself isn't really anything, but then you read it and the Holy Spirit comes and illuminates it. And mm-hmm. then so that's how it becomes the scripture. And so and then there's a million different things in between. So maybe, Daniel, like, what do you I mean, let's lay our cards on the table before we get started. What do you how do you think of the scriptures and how do you hmm. Maybe, and then how does that work in your life? Like, how do you, 
how does that apply to you? Not just like, what do you think they are, but what does that mean? Yeah. When you read, them? man, that is, that is, that is a deep question. Moving from Chili's yeah. into, <laughs> into that, As changing gears does. a little bit here. Yeah. Um, man, how do I, I mean, I think, I think this might be kind of the basis of the conversation we're about to have, but how do I even put language to how I feel about scripture? Um, but I think I'll start with the second question, um, in terms of like how always a good decision. Just skip the first one entirely <laughs> yeah. and go right to I'm the second jettison one. That. You're you're a man made for politics, Dan. I am. Uh, <laughs> um I think my my views on scripture mean that usually I assume that I'm wrong hmm. and That's good. the Bible is right. Yeah. Um and that is So maybe yeah. let me let me ask to drill down on that a little bit. Sure. Do you kind of assume like when you go to the scriptures, are you looking, are you basically looking like I'm looking for somewhere to repent? Um, Oh dang. No, no. Like, no. I mean, I don't know. Not primary. That is, I don't even understand how to, how to go about answering that question. I think the Bible is, I mean, I'll, I'll I just use... want to make sure we're clear on like what we're saying. Yeah. I'll use all the trite insipid language that we've had for 2000 years. I think it's the word of God, um, which basically means that, um, <laughs> that go ahead. Tell us exactly what that means. Daniel. We're ready. Yeah. I think it means that it's been inspired by the spirit of God. Um, yeah. Right. That was a weird way to put it. Um, how do I, I guess I'll just dive in, dive into the discussion from the well, get go. I guess, I mean, here's the, here's my point I'm trying to get to is like when you ask people what they believe about the Bible yeah, is what they normally do is what you just did, which is they say, um, yeah, it's the word of God. It's inspired. But then when you actually start to drill down and yes. say, oh, well, you know, I usually, I, you know, like I pulled a fast one on you, but you said, you know, I assume that the Bible's right and I'm wrong. Well, what does that mean? How does that how does that work for you? Yeah, and I, I think, find that there's a lot of people who like will say what the say the right things, mm -hmm. and I'm I mean I'm right there. Like don't don't hear me talking down other people. I'm right there with you, where I'll say the right things and then I it it comes apart when I actually try to apply it. Yeah, I think the I think the issue is I don't think that I have language that's good enough to synthesize um, my belief on scripture to a soundbite, which is what I was assuming was what we were trying to get at is just like a, that's good. An introductory, you know, clause. And then we'll get into the deeper meat of the discussion. Basically like, um, if I were to kind of outline how I feel about scripture, how I understand scripture to be and what the nature of scripture is, is that it is, um, it, it is, I mean, yeah, the word of God that's been handed down to us through millennia, whatever. Um, what that means is that while it was written by people, um, it was inspired by God, um, which means that God gave some sort of supernatural action to the people who were writing mm -hmm. the Bible. It doesn't mean that he was literally holding the, you know, their hand as they were like writing whatever on the tablets or whatever it was. Um, it just means that the scriptures, um, as they were originally written are absolutely perfect because they reflect the nature the character and the person of God, um, and his revelation to us as human beings. Um, which means that generally speaking, 
I mean, not generally speaking, always, whenever you have a disagreement with the Bible, really what you're doing is you're having a disagreement with God himself. Um, sometimes we can be a little bit nearsighted um, and think that it's, you know, the, what, what the scripture says um, is 100% like literally true. We miss out on the fact that while this, the scriptures are beneficial to us, um, they weren't they weren't written to our context necessarily. Um, they were written within a time and a place, which means that there are certain layers of like, okay, like what do I need to know about Hellenistic culture to understand this passage, or what do I need to know about Jewish traditions to understand this passage? Um, right. So and I think and that's counts, kind of the you know, thesis. The, the church has definitely affirmed that like. Um, all that's necessary for salvation is plain and clear in the scriptures. However, um, you know, there are things, um, I think the Westminster Confession um, says that not all scripture is alike plain, mm -hmm. meaning that not all, all of it is as clear as like the um, the gospel and yeah. sort of the salvation elements. And so with that kind of in mind, I mean, that's the Westminster Confession. You're not yeah. going to, that's by no means liberal documents. Um, how do you go about applying that, you know, as you read the scriptures? How do I go about applying, like trying to reach an understanding of the parts that are more difficult to understand? Yeah, I mean, or... just like, well, so you're coming, kind of coming at it. You said, um, where I assume that if the Bible says something that I disagree with, I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, I mean, then, that, you know, that, that takes a, a lot of nuance to look into. Yeah. I mean, this is the yeah. point that a point that we're that I'm uh, kind of drilling in down at is that all of this is going to be a lot of nuance. Yeah. But, um, you know, so what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've got time. We've got I love a podcast. it. Um, that's true. That is what this is. I mean, that's a great question. I think that's, that's the reason why we have five trillion denominations. Yeah. Um, because two people can look at one verse. that's kind of confusing and they have different opinions. Yeah. Um, I also kind of tend to think that right now we're kind of at the best point in human history to try to reach a better understanding of what the text was originally meaning to say, um, just because we have a deeper understanding of history and context. Right. Um, whereas like a monk in the dark ages might not have as many, like as much access to the context of, you know, when scripture was written. So they might read something differently and even linguistically, like, um, some of the some of like the statues of Moses that we find have him with horns. They depict him with horns because the Hebrew word for horns and like rays of light emanating from his head are very similar. And a lot of people just like didn't know the linguistic difference. Right. Um, so we're in, we're in a time period right now where we're actually like have are able to have a pretty decent idea of what that cultural historic context, linguistic context was. Problem is average Joe probably isn't going to have the wherewithal to look it up. Right. Um, which doesn't answer your question. It just circumvents it. <laughs> That's um, what we're all about here yeah. on the podcast. Um, no, I think, so one of the things that I've kind of tried to, I was, somebody was asking me about this the other day and I, the, the answer I gave just as a very short, how I deal with that nuance, kind of a, just a pithy statement. Yeah was I believe that the scripture is inerrant, but mm -hmm. I don't believe my interpretation is. Yeah. And so what that means, though, is is I 
I try to do both. I kind of get a little bit of both and mm -hmm. um, where I get to have a fully authoritative Bible, but I also don't think I'm ever going to understand it all. Sure. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where, where I come down at. Um, but I think that leaves open a lot of room where what I try to do is on those passages where I was talking about those, those difficult ones, I try to kind of back off a little bit and say, I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know what that means. Um, well, one, one, um, and this might be like too much of a, of a concrete statement, but I tend to agree with it. One of the best pieces of advice that I've been given in terms of interpreting those like really weird passages is if you come up with an, inter with an interpretation that's new, it's probably wrong. Right. Like if no one's ever thought that before, probably not right. Yeah. Um, because we have the benefit of 2000 years of people reading the Bible, um, and God being faithful to his people. Yeah. Um, I think, so you were, you were talking before about the perspicuity of scripture, how like the, the basic gospel message is something that we can just like understand yeah. uh, a little bit more easily than what it means that Elisha prayed to God and two bears came out and mauled 40 people. Um, I like, I kind of like, I, I agree. And the reason I agree is because Romans agrees. <laughs> Paul in the book of Romans kind of lays that out in his uh, right. dichotomy between natural theology and, and uh, revealed, like God's revealed nature through the scriptures. Um, the reason I struggle with that is, um, I'll give a concrete example. Today I was looking up the church that a certain uh, political presidential candidate currently um, says that they are a member at, like the specific congregation, and I looked up like, what they believe in terms of scripture, in terms of what the Bible message is. And it wasn't the gospel. It was right. very much like a God gave us the Bible so that we can understand how to be better people. Right. Um, and I just wonder, like, if our sin is able to cloud the gospel message, then is it not able to cloud the more difficult parts of scripture? Yeah. How much more so? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, that's why I'm, I guess I'm just always, I had a religion professor who said this, and I I sort of agree with it. Um, it's always good to quote someone you half agree with. Uh, <laughs> but it's good for all you history students out there. If you half agree with someone, definitely quote them. That's good enough. Um, close <laughs> enough. No, but they said, I'm skeptical of anyone who claims that they have all the answers, that they have like a system that explains everything. Yeah. And I'm kind of there. Like if you think you have, I guess in what, what I mean by that is if you think you have scripture conquered. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes, and I guess because we're both in denominations that are like the Bible's inerrant, the Bible's infallible. I mean, as, as conservative on the scriptures as you can, as you can be basically. For the most part. Sort of, yeah. Or at least mainstream conservative. Like, yeah. Without being just really out there. Yeah. Um, but I also sometimes struggle with that, which is like, I think sometimes we've doubled down on it to a point where we where people feel as though they've conquered it. Yeah. Or if you read enough commentaries, you read enough systematic theologies or whatever, you sort of conquered the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And it's no longer, you know, God's word to you. It no longer speaks to you. You mm -hmm. kind of go, well, you know, it says this or it says that. And you just, you have your interpretation already figured out before you come to it. Yeah. 
And so the first thing I, I, I kind of heard us both dancing around, but I think what you were talking about, like the scripture being inspired is looking at, you know, the mystery. And I think one thing that we don't do very well is conservatives who are, who are firm on the, um, the authority of the Bible is we don't leave room for mystery. Sure. We don't leave room for the idea. And if you asked anyone, they would affirm this a hundred percent, but I found in practice, it's not so Mm -hmm. that they don't leave room for just going, man, I don't know. Like, Ooh, I don't know. You know, (laughs) like just not, not having a good answer and not being able to figure it out and leaving room for saying like, God is higher than I am. He's bigger. And I don't understand that. And I don't get it. And so I'm not, you know, I'm not the expert who has it all figured out. Well, but I feel like that's almost why you have to come to scripture with that presupposition of scripture being right. Mm. Because if you try to understand scripture, like if you try to validate the claims of scripture, the way you would any other document, there's going to be, there's going to be places where you kind of come up, come up against a wall. And um, unless you have that presupposition of scripture says what scripture says it is, or mm-hmm. scripture is what scripture says it is, then you like you, you, you like you you come up short with what to do with those passages where it, yeah. it's just like what in the world, right? And I think the reason that presupposition is safe to make is because if God can be fully understood, then He's not God, right? That's true. Yeah, that's good. I think so. You know, moving into sort of our realm a little bit. Um, one of the things that I struggle with, and I don't know that I, I, the doctrine necessarily is more the way it's expressed, but mm-hmm. we've had this conversation before, but yeah. figured it'd be good to podcast about it, um, is inerrancy. Okay. And so let me just make sure I'm clear on what my issues with that doctrine are. Mm-hmm. They're not so much doctrinal. <laughs> yeah. They're semantic. Okay. Um, so just anyone who's out there who might listen to this before my ordination exam. (laughs) Let's be clear on what I'm saying. Uh, The problems that I have, and I'm still working through this, so I I have no answers. And you may, like I've said in the last podcast, you may come back to me in a week, I may have a different answer because I'm really working through this. Yeah. But I'm just processing out Answers in Genesis, man. Yeah, that's... (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Jesus wept. Um, no. Uh, but what what my problem is, is like I said, it seems like, um, and maybe this is just me and my experiences and it doesn't impact anyone else. But to me, like, I agree with inerrancy once it's expressed. Yeah. So in general, what I find is when people express inerrancy, they end up saying something that doesn't sound like what the word inerrancy means. Mm-hmm. Like the definition they attach to it ends up being different. Yeah. Meaning they put a lot more nuance in there than just the Bible is a hundred percent fact. And what I mean by that is when I say error, I think of sort of calculus or science. Uh Uh-huh. Like you have an error in your calculation. Errata as a Ben Franklin would call it. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But you know, so I think like, but that, what that does is, puts the scripture in a place that the scripture never claims to be, which is to say like that it puts it in a place of 
sort of scientific accuracy in the way that you would expect a like a mathematics equation to be perfect yeah for it to add up perfectly you know if you're going to um build a space shuttle you really can't have things be off Mm -hmm. by any by a millimeter or anything like that but i think you know i look at genesis genesis one there are some verbiage there that definitely borrows from ancient near eastern cosmology sure that definitely understands the world through the lens of the ancient near east not through the lens that we understand it to be now uh-huh does i think that means the scripture has erred no what i think that means is that god was speaking to people at that current time in the way that they would understand yeah but i think what happens is we end up saying inerrancy and what people hear is science textbook yeah what people hear is you know, literal seven-day creation. Mm-hmm. What they hear is like, you know, and if you believe in literal seven-day creation, that's orthodox, that's totally okay. Um, but there are people that don't believe that. Yeah. And so I, we don't want to overstate the case while defending what the Bible says and defending what it is. We don't want to overstate the case. And so I sometimes worry about inerrancy as a term. I, I sometimes think it needs, we need new PR <laughs> like we need a PR yeah, we need a Twitter campaign. Yeah, we need a Twitter campaign. At Christianity. Make the Bible great again. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Cuz the Bible isn't currently great. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's fire. <laughs> I th- yeah, I, yeah, we promised ourselves we'd stay away from all that. So, um I think I think I'm kind of finally starting to understand your point um a little bit better than I thought I did where I think when people think the word inerrant they think of like you looking at an ant through a microscope exactly where what the word should mean is you looking at space through a telescope yes like all of that stuff is real yes it's just confusing the word i like better that i think just encapsulates what we're trying to say without getting bogged down first of all i have let me just put this out there first of all i very rarely and you know i've done I've talked to people on college campuses. I've shared my faith on college campuses. Very rarely has someone asked me, do you believe scripture is an errant and what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So I think it's mostly a stumbling block within churches. Yeah. Or if you use that to try to make a claim. Yeah. And you'll, so I think you end up kind of stumbling over your own statement. What I prefer is just to say the Bible's true. Mm. I think that communicates everything I'm trying to say with an errant. Mm-hmm. While at the same time not saying like, um, it leaves room for nuance. So let's go back to Genesis. Mm-hmm. So Genesis, you know, is has this ancient Near Eastern cosmology. But the point of the text, like, what's the point of the text, is to say God made the world, uh-huh. and He made Adam and Eve specifically and uniquely in it. He made human beings uniquely, and it's a story of God made it. Mm-hmm. There was a bunch of stuff that happened. God did it through his word, which what 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 does that mean? Um, how did that happen? And then God was in covenant with Adam and Eve. And, you know, all this other... But it leaves room to say, like, the point of that text was to say God did it. And mm-hmm. that is true. That is a fact. How God decided to express that is complicated and yeah. nuanced. But I like doing it that way because I find that I don't get into this like, well, what do you think? Especially when I'm trying to share faith or something, somebody asks me, what do you think about this? And I can just say, 
I think that instead of trying to defend sort of getting into a scientific argument, because that actually doesn't lead anyone to faith. Right. Well, I think it's interesting to kind of see the pattern of our, like uh, the church's understanding of the truth of scripture, because not until really the like post enlightenment um, did we see ourselves in a position where we had to like defend the Bible like it's a science yeah. textbook. Yeah. Before that, people had a rich understanding of the Bible's truth, like truth value. Right. Um, it just wasn't tied down to this like, um, like materialistic understanding of what truth is. Yeah, and and as just kind of as a historian, as someone who values history, um, hopefully a lot of people value history, but someone who thinks about it a lot. I also don't want to let contemporary arguments influence the the way I read the Bible. Mm -hmm. Meaning, I don't want to be chained to having to, I, I mean, having a hot take yeah. on, you know, well, what is, do I have to come down on the, this side or that side? Mm -hmm. Do I have to be on this or that? I, I want to try to approach scripture and let it speak to me. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, that's tough because we're always coming to scripture with presuppositions sure. and all that stuff. But I want to try to do that. I want to try to just say it's true, but leave room for the mystery, for the nuance, for the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I feel like, and this is the the big point, which is like any you said it in the beginning, like words don't encapsulate the scripture very well. Mm -hmm. We just don't have the language for it because on one hand, you want to leave room for the to say the Holy Spirit comes and He teaches us and He opens our eyes to see the truth of Scripture. On the other hand, it's an ancient document. Yeah. You know, it's not written currently. It's not written. To, it's as a, I think an Old Testament professor said, it was written for us, but it was not written to us. Mm -hmm. um, so that being said, you know, we have to look at the historical context. We have to look at what those people believe and how that helps us understand the scripture. And we also want to look at what was God trying to communicate in that text. Yeah. What's the point of the text? Why is it here? Mm -hmm. What's it trying to say versus like, well, it says this, and, you know, that's off by 0.06, you know, <laughs> years, and so that's, you know, it's not, how can you say it's inerrant when it's off by that? Well, what was God trying to say? Yeah. And so I, I don't know, that's my, the, my frustrations with the word inerrancy are just, I feel like it. It doesn't leave room for, like, the mystery. Yeah, it all. just doesn't, it doesn't leave room for that, because, and I'm not saying, like, the people that say the Bible is inerrant are that way. Yeah. I'm only saying that the word tends to, to me, to feel that way. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I don't know if, if I can be kind of pushed into the direction of let's change the way we use the word inerrant. Um, I mean, I don't know. Because I, feel, because I, I do think it's worth it to kind of have that redefinition. Like, what do you actually mean when you say inerrant? And do you actually have that definition in mind when you're, like, thinking about the Bible? Because the way we talk about things influences the way we think about them. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if someone asks me, do you think the Bible's perfect? I'll say yes. That's a loaded yes. Do you think the Bible's true? Yes. Do you think the Bible's inerrant? That's the most loaded yes that I could, you know, like that's a very yeah. like. I always, I'm a stickler for definitions with these yeah. things. I will always ask someone when they ask me, not that they ask me all the time, um, but if someone were to ask me, you know, do you think the Bible's true? 
I would always ask, what do you mean by that? Yeah. In the sense that, like, um, let me think of something. Um, if the Bible says there were 40,000 troops there, mm-hmm. if there were 39,999, I would still say 40,000 was true. Yeah. Meaning, like, yeah, 40,000. Like, they didn't do a head count, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was 40,000. <laughs> it was as much as makes no difference to 40,000. Sure. Um, that's true. But if you mean, like, it's true down to the decimal point, well, no. Yeah. But that's not what the point of the text is trying to say. Um, well, and that that's why, I mean, that's what I was trying to get at with kind of that that parsing of understanding of what truth is, like in our Western post-Enlightenment understanding of truth. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, it's, it's just crazy to think of, like, something as basic as truth is so, like, the way we think about truth is so conditioned by where we live, basically. Like, yeah. Like, where you were born and where you grew up conditions... It's what, getting postmodern in here. Yeah. <laughs> what you think the word truth means. Which is why, I mean, you were talking about the uh, kind of deconstructionist understanding of Scripture with the neo-Orthodox kind of Karl Barty thing. Yeah. Um, which I, I, um, I appreciate. I don't fully agree with, but I appreciate that it was trying to open up a, like a conversation about the Bible is, it contains the word of God is what he said. Yeah. The Bible is valuable to the Christian. The, you know, the Bible is supernatural. I don't know that, that I agree with where he went with it. Yeah. What I appreciate about Barth, I think this is what, what you appreciate about Barth and what many people have come to appreciate about Barth is, um, that he left, he tried to, I guess he, he took a step back mm-hmm. and maybe put took too big of a step back, but he went, he kind of wanted to leave that room for to say that this is a mystery. And when yeah. I come to this text, I'm not coming to it in this, in the same way that I'm coming to a science textbook. Mm-hmm. I don't come to it in that same way. Yeah. And therefore to put them together is to compare apples and oranges. Yeah. They're not the same thing. And so he came in to say, this is a supernatural text. And without well, yeah. the Holy Spirit, like, it's it's missing something. And I think he definitely kind of, by saying it contains the Word of God, maybe overstated that case. Yeah. But I think where I would affirm that and say amen is to say, like, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, if you don't have that room, if you're not, you know, sort of humble before the text it's you're missing something you're you're uh i'm trying to find language for it but you're you're just missing something yeah you're not well because there's so many like biblical scholars that are completely unfazed by the message of the bible right and yeah so yeah we can't deny the fact that there has to be a spiritual element to you reading the bible like simply picking up you know going to your barnes and noble picking up your teen study bible and reading, you know, Matthew, doing that simply is not going to turn you into a Christian. Right. Because there do, there is a supernatural element and a spiritual element that... That's why we're good Calvinists. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I would agree. I, you said something... Um, I'm trying to... I'm trying to think about what you were talking about that I thought piqued my interest a Mystery, lot. Mystery? Space? Moving back a little bit. <laughs> oh, comparing the Bible to a science oh. textbook. Um, I actually think that 
the nature of like the immutability of God makes the Bible more true than a science textbook. So when like when Christians, yeah, when Christians like try to treat the Bible as a science textbook, I think they do a disservice to Scripture. Yeah, that's I think, and that was I think many people have pushed against inerrancy see it push against it for that reason yeah because they see it as an attempt um and i sometimes see it this way as an attempt to make the bible conform to the enlightenment ideas of what a sacred text should be yeah instead of letting the bible be what the bible is Mm -hmm. Um, and what i mean by that is uh, like I said, when you compare it to a science textbook, a science textbook is trying is attempting to do this thing. It's yeah. attempting to do something. The Bible is not attempting to do that. They're mm-hmm. not attempting to do the same thing, and therefore they are not the same. Mm-hmm. And therefore, to try to judge them against one another is sort of a false false comparison. Yeah, those aren't. That's not what you should do. Now, mm-hmm. certainly, we put everything. We take every thought captive to God. We put everything under the authority of Scripture. Yeah. But also, they're not they're not mutually exclusive, but they're also not occupying the same territory. Well, even beginning with the fact that science textbooks from one, like, you publish one today, and then you publish the same science textbook a year from now, things will change. Right. And that's because, because a science textbook is not a statement of truth. It's a statement of observation. Right. Whereas the Bible is a statement of truth. Right. Yeah. And, and I it's mean, good. yeah, and that that's that's kind of where where I I just I got really frustrated with kind of this ethos of like if like and this isn't all Christians by any means, and this probably isn't most Christians, but this ethos of if you don't take the Bible one hundred percent literally, then something's wrong with you. Mm. Because a that's dishonest. No one takes the Bible one hundred percent literally. Nope. Um, and B, not a one. <laughs> B, that's not what that's not what the Bible is trying to do. Like it's not like the primary purpose of the Bible isn't to tell you, you know, how many soldiers were in a certain battle. Yeah, and I think the important thing about the Scripture is to, while we try to want to, we want to affirm the Scriptures and affirm what they say. We also don't want to put the Scriptures in a box. Yeah, I think that's the. That's the thing that troubles me sometimes is that I feel like scripture gets put into a box Hmm. and we say, this is the box and these are the authors that are in the box. Uh And if you go outside that box, you're, you're without hope. You're unfruitful works of darkness. And so I think we need to be careful about that though. Need to be careful again, like thinking that we've conquered it, thinking we understand again. Um, don't, don't want to take it too far. Mm-hmm. Don't want to just go total postmodern on it and just say, well, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth and none of it really matters and it's all just subjective and all that. At the same time, I want to make sure there's room for mystery and room to say, I don't get it all. I don't understand yeah. it all. And I think that's an important distinction to make. I think I, I would kind of slightly disagree with you. I think scripture is by definition a box. Um, but it's a box that's bigger than us. Yeah. Let me rephrase that. I mean, let me say that I think the box that you're, that's a good critique. I think the, my, what I mean is the box is bigger than we think. Yeah. I think the box is, is a lot larger than we think it is. And there's a lot more room in there than a lot of people think. And so 
I guess let's be careful. Like I said, not putting let's let's let the Bible be the box and not make mm, a box for the good. Bible. Yeah. Um, let's let's make sure that we go as far as Scripture goes, but don't go any further. Yeah. And where Scripture isn't clear, or where we don't have a consensus, or where we're confused, we don't we don't try to double down on it. Mm-hmm. We just humbly say like, you know, your ways are higher than our ways, mm-hmm. and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and we don't understand. And I think that's that's a safe place to be, and that's also a place where you can approach the scripture with humility, but also with confidence. Yeah. In that, what the Bible is clear about, I'm affirming and I believe it. But what I find confusing, I'm not. I'm willing to rest in mystery. Mm. I'm willing to not know. Yeah. I'm willing to be confused. Yeah. I'm okay with that. And I think the big problem that we have is a lot of people aren't okay with that. Like they're if they find a text that they're that confuses them or says something they don't like, they do one of two things. They either just forget about it, they don't think about it. Mm-hmm. They run away from it as fast as possible. Yeah. Because, you know, oh, what does that mean? I don't know. I'm I'm gonna lose my faith. Or they go postmoderny on it, or they go um deconstructionist on it and they go, well, that was added later, or that's not the true source, or that doesn't really matter, you know, the Holy Spirit illuminates it for me, and the Holy Spirit hasn't spoken to me through that passage, so, Hmm. you know, but they go one of two ways, instead of being in the tension in the middle, which is saying, I agree, I know that this is scripture, and all scriptures God breathed, and all scripture is important, and yet, here I am, and I don't understand this passage, and it makes me upset, it makes me angry, I don't like what it says, and I I hate it. And you just stay there in that, in that tension. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and and yes, I agree. And I think the, I mean, that's a more, not only just like spiritually fulfilling, but more intellectually honest position to find yourself in. Yeah. Then like, I mean, there's even people that like, they find passages of scripture that are just like weird or like seem to contradict other passages of scripture. And then they take the super literalist approach and try to like, like somehow reconcile both things in like this weird contortion of like, you know, it's no longer the Bible. Yeah. It's no longer the Bible. Now it's just like your weird, like little blog. It's your dissertation. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I, I agree. I think kind of living in the truth of the tension is the most like, just honest position that you can find yourself in. Yeah. I mean, I heard Tim Keller say one time, and this really helped me with the scripture. Uh, and he was, he was talking about the Bible. You know, was it historically reliable? Was it culturally reliable? Was it personally reliable? And he said, just kind of closing out a sermon that he gave, he was saying, um, how can you know that you have a warm personal relationship with God? And he's like, when you have an authoritative Bible, and, he's, and he said, those two things are often thought of as mutually exclusive. But he's like, you know, when you're in a relationship with someone, the way you know you're in a real relationship is you you get into arguments, you fight, because you have a real person, and they have real feelings, and they have real, like, opinions that may be different than yours. Mm-hmm. And so you say something, and they say, no, that's not right, and then you you guys might argue, but that's the scripture. Mm. He said, that is that is the scripture, is you have this, you have God is going to tell you things that you don't like. Yeah. But the only way for you to have a real relationship with him is for you to accept that mm-hmm. and to be content in that that's how you know that God is, is that you have that one personal relationship is God is going to speak to you through his word 
and tell you things you don't want to hear. Yeah. And challenge you and poke you and prod you and push you hmm. and, and make you better and reveal himself to you. Well, you know what? I think that's a very helpful image um, of how we can how we can look at scripture just on a on a very personal level. And you know, Tim Keller said it, so I believe it. Yeah. If Tim <laughs> Keller said it, that's good enough for me. Um <laughs> Thank you for listening. Uh, this has been episode 11. We're in the double digits. Mm. We're actually into our second episode of the double digits. Snake eyes. Yeah. We're in the old snake eyes. So <laughs> um, all you D&D fans out there. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. Um, talk to us on Twitter. Um, if we say anything interesting, share it with your friends. Yeah. Nice. No one's no one's even attempted to participate in that like biggest fan yeah, contest. Yeah. No one's even tried. <laughs> How dare you? We have like some. They're ashamed. They're like, I don't want to be your biggest fan. That's a that's a shameful moniker. Yeah. So someone tweeted us just people, so we can, people we can have listen. Someone on the podcast. People listen to this podcast in hiding. We're just gonna set up like an empty microphone. That's gonna be our biggest fan is a sil- is a, just an extra microphone with no one at it. We should just put like a like fan. <laughs> yeah. And, and the next podcast will literally have a fan on it if you don't tweet us. So someone tweeted us and just say. I'm your biggest fan. Hashtag have me on the That's podcast. That's literally all you need to say. It's literally like all you need to do is enter to win and you, you've got a good chance of winning. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back with Kent hopefully soon. Yeah. Uh, he had to work. So RIP. <laughs> Kent's not dead. Uh, I don't think. Uh, but yeah, uh, thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next time.